You are listening to Present Truth Ministries Radio, telling the world that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Welcome to PTM Radio. I'm your host, Brother Jason DeMars, and I wanted to continue on the subject of why the Trinity is false or is the Trinity false. Now, as I even say that, uh, you get this uncomfortable feeling. What is, why are we making such a bold statement, brash statement? I'm not uncomfortable with it per se, but it requires some explanation. It's It's a shocking thing to say for some people, why the Trinity is a false doctrine. It's almost, for some people, it's like saying, why is Christianity false? And so, you know, I don't, I don't want to, cr- uh, I think the thing that's causing me to uh, feel shocked about it is I don't want to cause a stir among people. I don't, I don't want to cause fights or, or division or anything, but I want to bear record of what's true and what's right and what's real. So um, this time in talking about it, I want to just give a little bit more background and then go further and speak about some of the illustrations that Trinitarians will use to speak uh, about this doctrine, about this teaching. So let's let's take a few minutes and go into the background uh, of this. One thing that you'll often see is people showing how Every false religion has a trinity of sorts, and it, it, it consists in different ways, but most of the time it's a father, mother, son trinity. And you can see this in Egypt, you can see this in Greek, Roman, uh, Indian, Chinese. We can go on and on. All the different deities, they believe in three, uh, a triumvirate god, a trinity of gods, three different gods. And so uh, people that are not accepting the historical doctrine of the trinity that's come to us from the, uh, the church history will say, well, it's a pagan doctrine. And yes, yes, it is. It is identified with the pagan doctrine. But on the other hand, Christian historians um, do the same and show you see that there's an inkling, uh, a seed of the Trinity, the true Trinity, that is spread throughout the world. So they almost use it as a proof that the Trinity is accurate. So scripturally, uh, which direction can we go? Is it a proof of being a pagan doctrine? It depends on your perspective. Is it a proof of being a Christian, true Christian doctrine, and that's a seed in all the false religions of the world of a Trinity? Which one is it? Honestly, my own opinion is it's irrelevant whether it's uh, pagan. I don't believe looking at Christian history and reading uh, the Christian writers of history that any of them were even considering saying, hey, let's take these pagan ideas and turn them into a Christian trinity because we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's explain it as a trinity. It's not that simple. It's way more nuanced than that. There's a lot more to it than that. I, I, I can't 
merely say, hey, look, the pagans believed it. Now the Christians are adopting that, even though the Jews never adopted it. So therefore, this is a pagan doctrine. Now, we can see many hints of idolatry that started to spring forward in the Catholic and Orthodox churches. Um, we have things like the confessional. Uh, this is that's an old Babylonian practice. You have things like touching the statues, uh, praying in front of statues. That's obviously idolatrous. There's no such a thing in the Bible as praying in front of a statue um, or a painting or whatever it might be. That's referenced as idolatry. That's false. That's that's uh, that's wickedness. Uh, we're, nowhere we're commanded to make a statue of the apostles or a statue of uh, Mary or a statue of Jesus. Uh, we're not told to do that. We're not told to pray in front of that. We're told to pray to our Father in secret and the, your Father which sees in secret will reward you openly. We're told to pray in church. But we're never told to pray in front of a, a statue, a picture, even in front of an altar. We're told to pray in secret and to pray uh, with one another. So uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Thank you for listening to PTM Radio. Would you commit to praying for a PTM missionary working in the Middle East today? You can become a PTM missionary prayer sponsor by going to our website, presenttruthmn.com slash missionary dash prayer dash sponsor go there and sign up today you can stand with your brothers who are standing for the message that God sent to us through the ministry of Brother Branham in the Middle East they are serving on the front lines in the Middle East facing many difficulties we consider it the final frontier where the message must go before God turns back to dealing with the Jewish people and these faithful workers for God are active in church planting, evangelism, Bible and message books distribution, and pastoring. Their ministries vary, but they all face the same risk of persecution and suffering. They ask for your prayers. So go to our website, presenttruthmn.com, and go under Missionary Updates, and you'll see Missionary Prayer Sponsors, and sign up. To be a prayer sponsor today, we will send you a magnet that you can place on your refrigerator and it will remind you every day to pray for a missionary, a very specific missionary in the Middle East. It'll have their name, their ministry, a little bit of their testimony, and three specific prayer points that you can lift up to God on a daily basis. We thank you so much and may God richly bless you. Welcome back to PTM Radio, and let's continue on uh, with that discussion. So, looking over history, we do see the Trinity and the use of the term Trinity, triumvirate, uh, very diff there are various different ways that this was expressed in different languages. So, the first person to begin to use this terminology for the God of the Bible was Theophilus of Antioch. And he was the pastor of the church there 
at one point in time in history. And so in his writings, uh, he's writing in Greek, he begins to say, let's refer to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit of a as a trinity. And about 60 years later, the writer Tertullian begins to use the word trinity in the Latin language. And this was when it began to really catch on and be used throughout uh, Christian writers and uh, theologians. So these men were sincere men. These men, uh, in fact, if you look at their teaching, they didn't believe at all in three co-equal, co-eternal persons like the Trinity that we have today. Tertullian believed in two stages of the Logos, that first the Logos was in God as his thoughts, as his mind, and then just prior to creation, so not, it's not, not an eternity, but just prior to creation, out from God went this Logos, and this Logos was now expressed, and this was God's means of communicating himself, manifesting himself to the world. It was a form that God lived in. That form was a full expression of God, but it had a beginning. And then we come to Jesus Christ, both writers, Theophilus of Antioch, who used the term Trinity, first Greek writer, first Christian writer, and Tertullian, first Latin writer, which caused it to catch on throughout the rest of the Latin world. Both of them believed in subordination of the Son to the Father. So this is a, considered by uh, Trinitarians, modern Trinitarians, as a completely false doctrine. And yet, early Christian writers believed that, accepted that. So there is this great inconsistency. So let's talk about it again. I've made this point before, but coming from the apostles up to the Council of Nicaea, we find no evidence of the various generations of Christian writers and teachers believing in a trinity of three co-equal, co-eternal persons. There's no evidence of that. So if the trinity was true, wouldn't we be able to go and see from the various early, very earliest writers, first of all, they were using the term trinity, second of all, they would be using the term three persons, one substance, and then they would be saying they're co-equal and co-eternal. However, they didn't. This was not, this was not a clear teaching of the apostles. They, 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 they teach differently. The next generation of, of what we call the um, apostolic fathers, they didn't believe it. Generation after that, they didn't believe it. So this doctrine of the Trinity, if a, an honest and genuine examination of history, we can say that something developed. It started developing in the early church once the faith passed hands from the Jews to the Gentiles. Something changed. What changed? Well, the Jewish people grew up with Scripture as their foundation. They grew up with a whole culture Within that culture, every day on a constant basis, they're saying the Shema. What's the Shema? It's their great confession of faith. It's written everywhere in their homes, in their gardens, on their fence posts. 
they would write this everywhere, and that's this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This was their great confession of faith. And in fact, Jesus reaffirms that. He says, what is the greatest commandment? That's one of the uh, scribes asked Jesus that. What's the greatest commandment? Jesus says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is likened to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the greatest commandment is that God is one, and that we, we should love him with all of our being. Notice he didn't say the great confession is that God eternally exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three distinct and separate persons made up of one essence. He doesn't say that. He says that God is one. This is the great commandment. Jesus didn't use the term Trinity. The apostles didn't use the term Trinity. It's nowhere in the Bible. So we can't say that our faith and our salvation is based on a terminology that's not in the Bible. But if you look at the historic creeds of the church, they're all telling us if you do not believe the Trinity, you cannot be saved. Right there, it should cause a pause for everybody. It should, it should cause us to stop and think for one minute. So if the apostles didn't believe in a Trinity, didn't teach a Trinity, the next generation of Christians didn't believe in a trinity. And even those who started using the term trinity as of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit didn't believe in the trinity that we have today. Where Was everybody lost until we had the fully developed trinity? Of course not. Obviously not. So we don't have a problem with the apostles. The problem is with the church. Who developed the doctrine of the Trinity of three persons? Now, as we go through history, we see a clear development. Around the time of the Nicene Council, they started teaching that Father and Son are co-equal, co-eternal persons. Now, this the issue of the Holy Spirit was not settled in the church until um, quite, quite some time later. They decided that, I think it was the 5th century, there was the Council of Constantinople where they decided that the Holy Spirit is co-equal and co-eternal with God, the Father and God the Son. So, did the apostles who taught quite uh, differently and believed differently, were they lost? Were they teaching false doctrine? Was the next generation of Christians teaching false doctrine? Were they lost? Generation after that, you know, people like Irenaeus, like Polycarp, like Ignatius, like Theophilus, like Tertullian, all these men that didn't teach a trinity of co three co-equal, co-eternal persons. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. Thank you for listening to PTM Radio. We'll be right back. MessageHub.info is a website that is gathering all the sermons of Brother Branham, both in English and that have been translated into languages around the world. I'm looking at the website right now, and I can see that there's sermons in Arabic, Armenian, Farsi, Spanish, Italian, Indonesian, Afrikaans, Polish, 
Russian, Hindi, Greek, all these languages that the message has been translated to. So you can go and you can get access to those. If you meet someone who speaks Arabic, you can go in and pull up the Arabic and you can look and see that there are four sermons there. There's the invisible union of the bride of Christ and Christ is the mystery of God revealed and attract churches that conquer the laity as well as a resume of the ages. So this is a wonderful uh, website and a wonderful resource that you can use in order to spread the message of Malachi 4. Welcome back to PTM Radio. May the Lord richly bless you. Okay, so here are some illustrations that are used. Uh, we'll go we'll go more into history, but it, it just uh, I don't want to spend so much time on talking about the history of the doctrine that it bores you to death. So let's go into a couple illustrations that are used uh, by uh, Trinitarian theologians. It's things that I heard when I was going to um, Bethel College taking the theological courses. So here's some illustrations. One, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is three, just like men and women are body, soul, and spirit. So this is an illustration that's used, but I have a huge problem because I am not three persons. My body is not a person. My soul is not a person. My spirit is not a person. I am one person. I am made up of body, soul, and spirit. All right? So to say that that's my body, soul, and spirit speaks of three persons is completely false. It's three aspects of who I am that makes me the person that I am, that makes me one person. So let's go further. Next illustration that you hear is like an egg. It's made up of shell, yolk, and white. So this is one egg, but it's made up of three different things. So without the yolk, it's not an egg. Without the shell, it's not an egg. Without the white, it's not an egg. It takes each parts of the egg to make one egg. So this is speaking of one person manifested in three different ways. Same as body, soul, and spirit. It's one person in three different ways, three different aspects that makes up that person. Same as an egg. Now next one is water. Water takes three different forms, liquid, vapor, solid, ice. So this is three different ways the water molecule is manifested. So there's one water molecule and three manifestations, not three persons, not three. This water molecule can take these three different forms. This is exactly scriptural. But it's not three persons. It's three different ways the water molecule is manifested. Next is used is the sun. So we have the sun, we have which is the Father. We have the light shining forth from the sun, which is the Son of God. Then we have the heat that's created, which is the Holy Spirit. Again, this is not three persons. This is three different ways one person is manifested. So even the illustrations come very short. 
the truth of the Bible is there's one God and he's manifested in three different ways, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's not three persons. If, if we talk about three persons in the set, full psychological sense of relationship, of fellowship, the way that I would have fellowship with my wife and with my children, this is no different than three gods. So we're, we're talking about a species of God. There's one God species made up of three persons. This is, this is the same as the Egyptian and Roman and Hindu trinities. Three different persons, they're all God. But as Christians, we are emphasizing the oneness of God there. So these are three different uh, persons that make up the one God. But the fact is, if we look at them as three distinct persons, that is no different than idolatry, paganism, heathenism, polytheism, whatever you want to call it. It's three gods, and it's a false doctrine. We have to come back to the simple truth and teaching of the Bible. And the very problem is this. When the gospel changed hands from Jews to Gentiles, the Jews were in a biblical culture. They were submitted to the Bible. Gentiles wanted were in a philo philosophical culture. They wanted to explain every aspect of that and explain the inside workings of that. So Jew, the Jews say, we know God as he manifests himself throughout history, redemptive history, through his prophets, through his, the kings, through the priests, and through his dealings with us. The Gentiles are saying, we know God as he is in eternity. That's false. That's unscriptural. We know God as he has manifested to us. And he is who he says he is, not who we reason out and use philosophy to decide what he is inside of himself. Our salvation is based upon recognizing what God is doing in front of us and accepting it by faith. This, this is the history of, this is redemptive history, all through history. They said, we have Moses. We need Moses. Jesus said, if you knew Moses, you'd know me. For Moses wrote of me. I'm standing, God is manifesting himself in front of you and you won't accept it. The same goes throughout history, throughout the period of the Reformation, through, throughout the period of the Restoration back to the original faith. One, one point to finish on. The very first thing that God restored during the times of the Reformation is that the, the, the highest authority for the church is not councils, it's not popes, it is the Word of God, the Bible is the highest authority. We, as followers of God, must submit to the Bible. Therefore, if the church develops a doctrine apart from the Bible, we reject the doctrine and accept the simple truth of the Bible. And that's, that's, that's a basic tenet. So when we are examining the Trinity and we're showing historically uh, this is developed by the church, and now let's go a little further, just one second. Which Trinity? 
if you look at the different Orthodox churches, the Roman Catholic, the Eastern Orthodox, the Russian Orthodox, the Assyrian Church, the Church of the East, uh, the Armenian Church, all these different Catholic and Orthodox churches have a different version of the doctrine of the Trinity. So which one is correct? They, the creeds and the councils of history have erred and contradicted themselves. And we go back and we hold those creeds as though they're above the Bible, but they're not. They must submit to the Bible. Yes, we find a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit in the Bible, but we have to take the Bible terms of it. Three different ways God is manifested. God is a Father. God's revealed through His Son. God is a Spirit. Let's just take the simple, humble truth of the Bible. We don't need creeds. We don't need confessions. We don't need councils. We don't need popes. We don't need district presbyters. We don't need the president of our denomination. We need Christ. We need the Bible. And that's it. We need him as he displays himself and manifests himself to the age that we're living in. And we accept it in simple, humble faith as he reveals and makes himself known to us in our relationship with him. We'll continue on this subject. We love you. We appreciate you listening. Again, you can find us on the web at ptmradio.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes or on uh, SoundCloud. I forgot what that was for a second. Just do a search PTM Radio. You'll find us there. May the Lord richly bless you. 